Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have got a lot to talk about going on in the Big Ten. It was a huge weekend of Big Ten hoops. It was a lot of fun to watch a lot of great games Saturday. We had some good games on on Sunday as well, but, you know, a few uh, kind of blowout games here, and then one interesting one where Indiana gets their comeback. We're not going to talk about Indiana, Maryland, or Ohio State, Michigan, but we are going to make sure we discuss Rutgers and Nebraska. But before we get into that, Kent, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Like historic day in the Big Ten where it was finally proven that women are better than men at basketball. I don't know if you guys caught Caitlin Clark breaking the record today. So that that we can put to bed now. And that's just it's a good feeling like going to sleep tonight, knowing that, you know, uh, women are better. You know, we can finally just that discussion is over now. So I feel good about that. I was told never to like keep points with my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been inspired now to start keeping points. So tonight I wrote on the whiteboard in our, in our kitchen that I did the dishes. Good. And she, and she uh, hung her head and walked away. It was nice knowing you, JR. It was... Yeah. <laughs> I felt Let us know how that coach is tonight. <laughs> we have Russ with us as well. Uh, Russ, how you doing tonight? And do you also feel like women are superior to men after uh, after today? I mean, you know, can't make some good points there. And it actually reminds me, I, I try to watch you guys, you know, pretty regularly and stay caught up. But I feel like I haven't heard an update on your your daughter's basketball team. Can't like, how did that go? Oh, how's, how's that going? Oh Uh-oh. man, heartbreak hotel, man. Nine and zero regular, se- actually eight and zero regular season. Won the semifinal game, and then we lost in the championship. It was. It was a rough day here at the uh, at the old home, um, man. But she pulled through. Like she forgot about it pretty quickly. I'm still bitter about it, though. I'm still upset. Yeah, I feel like always it's my remember. Fault. Like this is just bad coaching on my part. I think. Yeah, coaches always remember the losses a lot longer than the players do. The players mm-hmm. just move on next season. Yeah. yeah, she had a great year, though. Shout out to her. Awesome. awesome. Ken, if you had to compare yourself to a current Big Ten coach with your coaching, uh, men's or women's, honestly, uh, is, is there is there a good comparison you feel like? I don't know. Like, I'll tell you what I did wrong, and then maybe you guys can tell me. Like, I just not good halftime adjustments in the championship game. Juan Howard. Um, was able to have a really good regular season and then uh, kind of folded when it mattered the most. So you guys let me know. Who do you think that is? I know where you're going with that, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I don't. We'll just stick with the Juwan Howard. We'll, we'll go with the first yeah. point. We'll say Juwan. Uh, yeah. but... I'll, go, I'll go Brad Underwood, because Brad Underwood hadn't even made it to the second weekend with Illinois. So That's you know. true, yeah. And also has a lot of good regular seasons. To, it could be him or like a couple of people in the Big Ten. I won't say names, but it could be anyone. If you get fired midseason and then your assistant takes over and starts beating every team in the Big Ten, I know who you're like. Yeah, yeah. I think if I would, I think the team would have been better without me, especially in the playoffs. I think that if I would have got fired, the assistant coach would have did a good job. Shout out to Patrick; he did a great job as my assistant this year. Great job. <laughs> oh, Sonny's firing back for you. Oh, I knew that would be good. Uh, I was going fishing there. Also, never lost as a number yeah. one seed. Uh, hey, the only other time that happened, the next year they won the national championship. So we'll see what happens this year. <laughs> we will True. See. 
whatever. Hey, before we get into it, guys, Dave came in early and asked a question, so I want to make sure we get to this. Dave asked, is college basketball non-conference scheduling the same as college football non-conference scheduling? Like in football, two teams will schedule themselves eight or ten years into the future. Russ, I think you know this one, so why don't you go ahead and clear this up for Dave? Yeah, so it's it definitely is different. You know, football, you've got to plan things out a lot better because it's, you know, you play on one day a week basically and you have to plan out the stadiums. The TV deals are much bigger. And so with, with basketball, they also like, even with the exempt tournaments, they want the, the you know, the uh, fields to be fairly even, especially Maui, they want it to be stacked. And so they don't want to go four, five, six years in advance because they don't know what that team might be at. So they want to stack it. And so they usually plan those maybe a year, year and a half out. And then a lot of the non-conference games that you fill the schedule in with, you fill those in after you find out your conference schedule. So like, mm-hmm. you know, the big 10 will say, Hey, keep this week and a half open for two games. And then maybe you only get one early game. Well, now you got to go find an opponent. You know, if you're in Illinois, maybe you go find Southern Illinois and try to schedule a game. Or if you're in Indiana, you go find a ball state and schedule. So it's definitely kind of last second, like even Purdue series with Arizona where they played in Indy, and they're going to play in Vegas next year. That was determined like in June or July, like before this season started. So it's a lot of stuff is pretty, pretty last second with basketball, whereas football, they go way further in advance and football will split it up like crazy. Like you might have a home and home where one game's played in, you know, 2016. And then this last year was when we played the return game against Virginia Tech. So like it's, you know, you can have eight, nine years between those agreed games. Uh, so football definitely has to be much more advanced than what basketball does. Yeah, in football, the event itself is a lot bigger to like put on and stuff like that as well, because it's like an entire weekend type deal, all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, good question, Dave. Appreciate you being here and asking that. Uh, one more comment before we get to it. Not this Russ guy again, Dylan says. Uh, Dylan, Russ was just talking about how you're going to come in here and hype us all up and call us all handsome. Uh, and then you way to let me down, man. That's tough. Appreciate it. That's tough, That's okay. man. That's okay. We'll just make you feel bad about it, Dylan. All right, guys, let's get to the first game. Nebraska takes down Rutgers. Um, Everything is right in the world. Nebraska played at home. Nebraska won their game, and nobody can really ever come into uh, Lincoln and defeat the Cornhuskers because they're just uh, invincible at home, other than Creighton. Creighton is the only team that is able to do that. So uh, this was a game that Nebraska obviously just – Lights out shooting, uh, Kasai Tamanaga. He really wasn't all that lights out shooting himself. He was one for six, but still he was able to make plays. Uh, not the passing assist guy, but able to make plays and get his shot, get around the rim a little bit more, which was nice to see. Uh, Kent, let's go to you first. What were your thoughts on just like Kasai Tamanaga, the game overall? I mean, we knew Nebraska was probably going to win this one. Did you have any, yeah. any big thoughts? Uh, not not any huge thoughts like you pretty much covered it all right there. It's really tough to win at Nebraska, almost impossible to win at Nebraska. But uh, just based on like the overall vibe of the game, I don't think that Rutgers really did a bad job defensively because they've been playing pretty well defensively lately. It's just that Nebraska is always humming when they're at home. It's just really tough to stop them no matter how good you are, or how well disciplined you are assignment wise. Um. Speaking of Tomonaga, by the way, I did retweet something that was uh, pretty cool today. Nebraska basketball put out like a little three minute video about him. And he was talking about how like Nebraska is his second home. And it was really cool. Like I, I like kind of got chills watching it. Like everybody loves Casey. And like, if you haven't seen that yet, either go to my Twitter or just straight to Nebraska's uh, basketball Twitter. Check out that video. Super easy guy to cheer for. But uh, yeah, as far as the game, 
Um, kind of like you said, what we expected. I thought Nebraska was going to win big in this one, and they did. And uh, yeah, just like you said, man, what we expected. I'll just repeat yeah. myself because I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think, Russ? Yeah, so I mean, if I had to pick an, an all-energy team, Tomodaga and Alec are both going to be on it. Like they're a lot of fun to watch. Like if I pick the most energetic and most fun guy to watch, I'm biased. So I'd probably pick Lance Jones. You, you guys have seen the Lance dance and those videos and things like that. But if I have to pick someone not on Purdue, Tomonaga's at the top of that list. And Alec is probably not far behind. They're very high energy. They're a lot of fun to watch. They have a lot of fun playing the game. They don't take it too seriously. And that's, those are the kind of guys I like to root for and like to see do well. And, you know, Tomonaga led them in scoring tonight, had a really good game. Um, even Alec had a double double on on his senior night, so it was it's really cool. This is the time of year where you get to see a lot of those cool stories, like Kent was talking about, like that video where you know a lot of teams are worried about postseason and, and the tournament, and all that stuff, and that that is important, and that that kind of supersedes everything. But you get to see these senior night stories and these guys that you know for the for four or five of the best years of their life are spent at these universities playing this sport, and they might not ever play it again at a high level. So it's a pretty big deal to see some of these co- careers come to an end. Um, that, you know, some guys have traveled halfway around the world. Some people like a Caitlin Clark have set scoring records, you know, so like it's it's a lot of cool things you get to see come to an end at the end of a season like this, besides just March Madness and the tournament and things like that. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, Ted came in here and says no one from outside the state of Nebraska can win at Nebraska. Great point, Ted. Great point. Uh, yeah, that was another thing I was going to bring up, Russ, is that, you know, senior night. I mean, obviously, these guys, not only did they want to win, but they wanted to win in such a way that, you know, they were remembered and they had their time. And it felt it felt like Tamanaga, like it felt like they were feeding him a little bit more in this one because they could kind of tell, you know, I mean, the story and everything else with it, like just a really, really cool experience. And it's nice when, you know, you schedule a team, you, you feel like you can beat. I'm not trying to say anybody's bad or anything like that, but a team you feel like you can beat on your home night or on your uh, senior night, because then you just feel better about it. Now I'm sure Maryland felt that way (laughs) going against Indiana, but Indiana played spoiler to their senior night, which was a, obviously heartbreaking for them but uh for a team especially like nebraska who not just they have these player stories but just kind of the team story not just this year but like going into it as well if anybody here has followed nebraska basketball you have figured out and and heard the stories of you know fred hoiberg trying to bring over the iowa state system and not working he's adjusting his recruiting uh, Nebraska's being patient with him, kind of giving him his time. And uh, even when everybody on the outside thought, oh, Fred Hoiberg is going to be fired soon, uh, they're giving him his time and saying, we believe in Fred Hoiberg and look at where it's got him. I mean, they are they are a top four team in the Big Ten. I'm not afraid to say it. They are one of the four best teams in the Big Ten this year. It's obviously Purdue and Illinois at the top. And then I think Nebraska does make a case for that third spot. It was Wisconsin earlier in the year, but to see them uh, kind of fall down here lately, we'll talk about them in Illinois later. I think they do have a viable argument for being the second or not second, the third best team in this conference. And if not third best, they are fourth best. And well, it's really JR, interesting. Yeah, good. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but just because you're on the same topic and I just pulled it up, that's what I was looking up. Actually, with today's win and Northwestern's loss, I just pulled up the bracket. They are number three right now in the tournament. And I thought they were they were going to be, or they were. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. If if I did this right, it looks like that they are number three now in uh, Nebraska is now, and Northwestern drops to number four. And that's kind of what I was going to ask you guys about too, because someone made a really interesting point on Twitter about Nebraska possibly 
Like, I know either way you're going to have to see Purdue or Illinois in the semis, no matter what, if you have aspirations of winning the Big Ten tournament. But they were saying that it might be a little bit better to be towards the top of it in in the fact that you like you would get to play the five seed instead of Michigan State or like I know there's a lot to determine still with two games left for some teams. But what do you guys think about that? Do you, would you rather be the three be at the bottom and have to play Illinois or would you rather be the four and then have to play Purdue in the semifinals? I guess we got a Purdue guy on. They beat Purdue at home by a lot. So would you rather try to play them again or no? If you're in Nebraska, well, this is. One second. I do think Nebraska is still fourth because they're mm-hmm. tied in conference wins. They do have more overall wins in 21. They also have one more loss. I think they're so the website up. that I'm using, they, they give you the reason for the tiebreaker. And it says that Nebraska is above Northwestern based on the winning percentage against the number one team, which is Purdue. And Nebraska has beaten Purdue and Northwestern is one and one against Purdue. But Nebraska still has more conference losses. Yeah, there's still a half game back technically. Right now? Yeah, because Northwestern's eleven and seven in conference and Nebraska's eleven and eight. So Northwestern's got to play. So two I think games if they do weekend. tie. Oh, yeah, you know what? They, I, I didn't click the no game for everybody else. That's on me. My bad. It had all no, the other you, games playing out. That's my bad. Let me check it out. You now. are correct. If they You're are right. tied. You guys are right. I take it back. If, if they are tied, then my yeah, bad, they dude. will be I just clicked the games for today. I forgot to click the games for next week. My bad. Ask your question again. Oh, I was just saying, would you rather be, uh, would you rather see Purdue in the semis or Illinois in the semis? If you're Nebraska. Illinois. I don't want to play Purdue. (laughs) I I don't think it really matters too much at this point. I mean, I think that I would rather be a team that plays. If you need wins and you're trying to make the tournament, I would rather almost be, playing on Thursday instead of Friday, which an interesting thing that was said too in the game was Nebraska has never played in the Big Ten tournament on Thursday, ever. Wow. Because they, whenever they played on Wednesday, they've always lost and never made it to Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I would, I would want to be a team that plays on Thursday, regardless of seeding, so that you can get a chance to have a, a win on Thursday, a quarterfinal win on Friday, and then worry about who you're going to play in the semis on Saturday. So, because I, I mean, I, Illinois, like we'll get to them later. Illinois is very, very efficient offensively. They're a very dangerous team. You kind of know they're they're a little bit one dimensional, but at the same time, Purdue, you know, there's a recipe to how you beat Purdue, right? We've got three conference losses. We're not perfect. So, you know, I, I think it matters more to try to get a couple winnable games in the tournament before you have to worry about playing in Illinois or Purdue. Yeah. Uh Jeff asked a good question here. I think he's talking about when I was talking about the three or four best teams in the Big Ten. He says, What about Northwestern? Uh guys, I, I would personally take Nebraska over Northwestern. I I this is just me personally. However, uh, what do you guys think? You guys also taking Nebraska over Northwestern? Is he just asking who's better between those two teams? Yeah, I think he's just asking who's better because they're right there in the standings next to each other. Like, I mean, it's a better team I, overall. For me, like the for the whole year, I think Northwestern's been better. It's tough to say that today because they just lost. And obviously, Nebraska just won. So there's a little bit of recency bias, but. I think that uh, Northwestern is still a more complete team than Nebraska. That's just me personally. I think they have a better – I think Boo Booey is, especially late here in the season and when tournament play starts, I think that that's the guy that you're going to want. And I think that they have enough down low and enough pieces that they're going to be a little bit better uh, in March. That's just my opinion. But uh, obviously, like I said, it's tough to say that today because Nebraska just won big and then Northwestern lost. But uh, I'll take Northwestern, though. 
What do you think, Russ? Yeah, I mean, you already heard me fanboy over Tomonaga and Alec, and you know, I love Wiltshire and, and Mask as well. So I, I, I'd have to go Nebraska because they are the hotter team. I think they're also the deeper team. You know, Northwestern doesn't have as much, you know, varied scoring. It's kind of like, is Boo Boo going to go off for 20 plus points or are we going home? You know, I think that's what their tournament looks like. Whereas Nebraska, they've got a few options where they could, you know, beat you a couple different ways. And so I would take Nebraska over Northwestern for sure. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting argument. And I think just as many people as say Nebraska, there's probably a similar amount to more probably that might be saying Northwestern. So it's definitely a viable argument. So I guess Nebraska we could be saying is a a viable argument for fifth in the big 10 as well. Thanks for correcting that there, Jeff. Uh, My big thing with it is what Phillip brings up here, Northwestern with or without Barry. And uh, that's, that's a really important distinction to make because Northwestern. They're without him for the rest of the year, right? Right. They're uh, they're a different team without him. Uh, Guys, I do want to ask one question before we move on from this game. So obviously this is always a hotly debated topic because, you know, the the high teams up there always want their guy. Yeah, I know, Russ, you're itching for this one. They always want their guy to be coach of the year. And I get it. All right. I'm an Ohio State fan in football. I'm like Ryan Day or whoever, you know, like uh, these guys should be coach of the year and all this stuff. Uh, But it's an award that the best coach never actually wins it <laughs> because that's the way it's like who had the most impressive season because you stunk last year or you're at a program that's not as good. Uh, but Russ, we'll go to you first. Should Fred Hoiberg be the big 10 coach of the year? Yes. Yes. I'll surprise you. And I'll say yes. It, okay. You know, like you said, that's, that was kind of be my statement was that it's not an award for the best coach in the conference. It's, it's the best above expectations really is what it is. It's not, it's not who actually recruited the best team and has the best program right now. And like, and it's, it's, it's frustrating as a pre fan. It is, I get it. Like, you know, Purdue's the first team in big 10 history to be number one, three years in a row. Right. He took a guy that was ranked in the four hundreds and he's going to be back to back national player of the year. And he's going to have no coach of the year awards to show for it in any of those years. So it's, it's weird, especially like last year we were picked fifth. So it wasn't like last year we were, you know, yeah, they're going to run away with the conference and, and be first, but we were picked fifth and we won it by three games, but Northwestern still gets it because Northwestern was picked last and they make the tournament. So it's, I've kind of made peace with that. And I do think Hoiberg, when you look at that and look at the way they award that award, it's, it does go to a coach that exceeds expectations. Now, you know, there's a guy at Ohio state that if he gets that team in the tournament, I, I you know, it's interesting to see how, how many games do you have to coach to be big 10 coach of the year? Cause that, how many times has a coach got fired for, for performance in the middle of the season and somebody takes over and makes the tournament, especially that late in the season. So, but yeah, no, and I also want to say, I think it was on here. Um, I don't know if it was season preview or, or after the hot start Nebraska had that I called this, I said, Nebraska is going to be a, a, a double buy team. They're going to be top four in the big 10 tournament. So I'm gonna have to go back and clip that receipt once, you know, if Nebraska makes it, cause they are in the fourth spot right now. So. Just I think it was after the hot Flip start. It, baby. Don't give yourself too much credit there, Russ. <laughs> uh, Kent, what do you think? Fred Hoiberg, coach of the year? Uh, I'm fine with it. I'm not really like, you know, someone that's going to go crazy about whoever gets it. I mean, if it goes to the best coach, it's Chris Collins every year. He's the best basketball coach. Period. <laughs> I'm not even joking about that. No, I, know, I think I he know. is the best, like, actual able to coach basketball basketball coach. So I think he would get it every year. But I did just pull up the list, though. Four out of the five years, the last five years, it has gone to the team that did finish first in the Big Ten. Um, so that's pretty interesting. But 
going back to your yeah exactly yeah. and it's funny uh matt painter started that trend back in uh 18 and 19 so he did get one back then and that's what kind of started there was four years in a row it went to guard juan howard believe it or not um and then uh guard again and then collins last year who was second and close to first last year but um i still think collins deserved it last year um i will say though rest one point that you made is that it's an award kind of to someone who has exceeded expectations, right? So if I was going to list another guy that I think is very deserving of the award, it would be Ben Johnson this year because yep. their expectation was last place and they're right in the middle of the pack right now as of even like a week and a half ago had uh, NCAA tournament aspirations, maybe still do possibly depending on how the season ends. It's going to be kind of a long shot at this point with their non-conference schedule, but Ben Johnson, uh, Matt Painter, Brad Underwood, or Fred Hoiberg, I would be fine with any of those four guys getting it, and I'm not going to throw a fit uh, who it is, but I think it's obviously going to be one of those four guys. Yeah, I think it's either it's either uh, Hoiberg, Johnson, or Diebler. I don't think Diebler wins it just because... Diebler? You think he's... There's no way, dude. I don't think he does. I'm just saying he's in the conversation. Like, when I see people bring it up, those are the three guys that I see the most commonly brought up that I feel like can win it. Uh, Sonny, again, is bringing up uh, Brad Underwood for us. And, and Sonny, I, that's why I said the thing earlier point. about, like, like the... Uh, the powerhouses don't get it. Like Illinois is a powerhouse in basketball more often than not. And even though they've not had the deep tournament runs, like you can always count on Illinois to be a really good basketball team in the big 10 year in and year out. And so like, it's just one of those things where like the expectations for Illinois are never all that low. So like Russ said, like you're never going to get that high exceeding expectations. Like, yes, uh, <laughs> Brad Underwood is 15 and 0 against Greg Gard and Juwan Howard. And I think the uh, the Illinois fans expect him to be 15-0 against those two guys, right? I mean, like, that's what you want. Uh, so while I agree Brad Underwood is one of the best coaches in the Big Ten, it's it's one of those things with, like, expectations, you know? So uh, it's such a crazy, crazy award. Um, <laughs> Philip Gard has just been a fisher. <laughs> Low expectations. <laughs> It's not. It's not too often you win the award twice. That's. I'll, I'll leave it there. It's not too often the award is won twice. So, uh, and then we got some people for Ben Johnson, uh, Dave, obviously in there, and I would not be upset with Dave, with uh, Ben Johnson or Fred Hoiberg. I think both of those guys are are uh, deserving. Uh, is the award given the before or after Selection Sunday? Because I think if if Minnesota makes the tournament and then the award is awarded after the Selection Sunday, I think that really helps Ben Johnson's case. I don't remember if it's before or after. I don't either. I would think it's before because they have that big, long. I don't know. I don't want to say that. I don't know. I don't remember when it is. Uh, Alibaba, go for some big win yesterday. Thoughts on Minnesota's remaining schedule. Indiana at home and banged up Northwestern on the road. If Minnesota wins both, they'd be 11 and 9. Yes, Alibaba, we're going to get to Minnesota and Penn State here soon uh, at the end of the show. So we'll, we'll talk through that. I'll actually star that. So I make sure to get back to that comment uh, when we do that one. But let's move on to Russ's guys, Michigan State at Purdue. This was a big game. We previewed it, and it was probably the most un uneventful preview ever because I started it with saying, is anybody really picking Michigan State to be Purdue in this one? 
<laughs> and basically the entire game, I had no doubt. There were a few times when Michigan State brought it close. Things were looking up. Tyson Walker hit that uh, buzzer beater at halftime. And I know there were some fans that were getting a little itchy. But for me, somebody who was watching it as I was kind of falling asleep because I was really tired <laughs> Saturday night, uh, I did not really fear for Purdue at all in this one. I felt like Purdue has this covered. It's fine. Michigan State might scare him a little bit, but they've got it. Russ, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, it was, you know, I, I we talked about it before we came on that I, I never really got nervous either. You know, they did make a run at the end. Michigan State did, that is. But Purdue seemed pretty much in control. And, you know, as much as I've joked that Michigan State's a bigger rival than what Indiana is recently, you know, Purdue now has won nine of the last 10 against Izzo. So Purdue's kind of owned that series even as much as Izzo is a historical coach, a Hall of Fame coach, you know, and he's, you know, he's going to be as soon as he's eligible, he's going to go. In the hall. I mean, it might already be there, right? Like, because you can still get it while you're still coaching. Yeah, I don't, I, don't I didn't get that sat down. But, you know, the two notes I wrote <laughs> were Edie is good and uh, Crybaby Izzo. So, you know, <laughs> if you didn't watch the game, Izzo, they even talked about it on the announce. The announcers talked about before the game, they asked Izzo, you know, is he going to complain about fouls? How's that going to go? And he goes, no, I'm not going to say a thing after any of the fouls. Well, what does he do? He complained about every single call throughout the game. And there were even things that he complained about that didn't have to do with the foul call that the paint crew was just giving it to him. Like every time he was complaining to the refs and, you know, Izzo, I feel like has the biggest leash of any coach in the country with officials as far as getting a technical, like Shrewsbury talked a lot about last year at Penn state. Cause he got a couple texts and he's like, I get a tech just for asking a ref why they called a foul, like what the foul was, like not arguing with them, saying it wasn't a foul or whatever. But then you got these coaches like Izzo and maybe another guy we might talk about later. Um, that they just go off on officials and they get they get no penalty, no rep, no um repercussions. So, you know, I, I just Izzo is a Hall of Fame coach, he's a great coach, he's done a lot of great things, a lot of final fours, but he is just he's such a crybaby now. Like it's so hard to watch him coach a game because he is just always upset. His face always looks like he's constipated. Like it, it's just I, I I can't do it. Like he's just whining about everything. But then he goes to the post game press conference and he praises Purdue and praises how good Painter is. And I'm like, man, I I want to hate them so bad. I want to hate him so bad. But then he says something nice. But also, he wants Braves you guys to go to the Final Four. He said that. He did. He he said this is the year we should go. Yeah, like, like I said, he says something like that, and you're like, Ted Gummit, man, is a white. Why you got to do that? Why you got to do that? But um, Braden also, he's just showing people why he got snubbed from that koozie list, like why it was ridiculous that he wasn't considered a top 10 point guard because he might be a top five point guard. He might even be like a third team All-American point guard by the time the season is done because he had another great game, 23 points, nine rebounds, eight of 11 from the field, four of four from three-point line. Like he is just an elite point guard at this point, and he's only a sophomore. You know, there are people talking about it being an impossible NBA prospect down the road, which you never would have thought about that for a guy that's sub six foot playing point guard in the Big Ten. Like, it's just impressive that he's able to play in the Big Ten. Now he's possibly the best point guard in the Big Ten and, and one of the top, you know, three or four in the country. Like, he's he is playing with a huge chip on his shoulder, and I can't wait to see what this team does in March. I mean, Zach Eady just tweeted, what was it tonight? He said, if uh, if you're going to leave uh, Braden Smith off your All-American ballot, go ahead and leave me off too, which yep. <laughs> I don't think that's, they're going to do that. Yeah, but, that's bold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously he's got faith in his guy, and I would too, man. If I was getting uh, passes the way that Braden Smith is throwing them to Zach Eady, man, I'd be all about it too because, again, that's another thing. Like People hate on Braden Smith because they say, like, oh, well, I'd be doing well too if I was passing to – 
uh, you know, a seven, four target. And it's like, yes, the passes get there, but also like, just look at where they are. Like you, you look at passing placement in football, like, Oh, this guy's in stride. Like, look at that as well with how Braden Smith is passing the ball to Zach Eady. Sometimes the ball is going directly, not sometimes, a lot of the times the ball is going directly where Zach Eady needs to move. And so it's almost like Braden Smith knows that and he's guiding him there. That's not taking anything away from Zach Eady. They're just both really, really good. And uh, it's, it's honestly just one of the best combinations, not only in the Big Ten, but just in the country overall. So, uh, Kent, what, uh, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, tweeted out last night. I wasn't able to watch this game. Daddy daughter dance. No one cares about that. So I won't talk about it, but, uh, I got to see the last 10 minutes of this game, um, which was more than I thought I'd be able to watch. I did get a text at the dance that said that Michigan state was doing a good job with Edie in the first half. Was this true boys? Is this true in the first half or is this false? I didn't see it. So my hands are up right now. I mean, it's pretty like sure, pretty sure Edie had double comparison. digits by halftime. Yeah, okay. it might just be the fact um, that he didn't have. I know he finished with like, thirty two, so like I could, I the parts that I watched, uh, he was not having any troubles at all. Um, and kind of to what Russ was talking about, just a little bit about the complaining with Izzo. It's really fun, uh, just from a neutral like bystander position to watch Twitter, each fan base like kind of unravel after they play Purdue and complain about because it like it happens in waves. Like it's like, like I'll just throw Illinois. For example, we'll be super mad about it. Like I remember Northwestern was really upset. And then like, like each fan base, like right after the game, now they're upset about like what's happening with Edie. So like, again, just as a neutral party, it's fun to see that. And last night it was Michigan state with the screenshots and the videos. And it's like, at this point in the season, for me, it's like I just scroll right past it because it's like I've seen this before. Like it's going to be called the way that it's going to be called. You guys just need to get over it. But um, one point I will make, though, was it was nice. We talked about Lance Jones earlier. He did not have a big game. So it's nice to see uh, Purdue get a big win. I say big win. Michigan State, I don't know how big of a win that is anymore, but it's a big win because they got a share of the Big Ten title yesterday. And uh, they did it without a ton of help from Lance Jones, who is definitely my favorite player on Purdue's team. So uh, nice to see that Purdue was able to do that without him, not not totally without him, but without him having a big game. So those were my takeaways from the game from seeing, like I said, about one-fourth of it. Michigan State is no longer a big win. It has no. to be said. It is yeah. no longer a big win. They have a worse overall record than Ohio State. They have a worse overall record than Ohio State. It is no longer a big win. People can't say, oh, congratulations, you beat Ohio State a terrible team, and then say, oh, well, we beat Michigan State. Great big win. I I say this as an Ohio State fan who, you know, they just beat Michigan State where it's like, good, you beat them. You should beat them. You're a better team than them. They yeah, have if, any, no if anyone here court. is new, JR really doesn't want Michigan State to make the tournament this year. He I really, really don't. Doesn't. They don't. I don't either, it. by the way. I they also don't deserve don't. it. They don't, I, I, it, and I'm not trying to be that hater or whatever, but like, you know, Tom Izzo and the streak and all that stuff. I'm purely looking at like who has played the best game so far this year. And it's not been Michigan State. Yes, they played a hard schedule, but Maddie Sissoko is not the answer at center. Carson Cooper, very good defender. I think he does a very good job there. He might need to be starting over over Maddie Sissoko, but it has been Tom Izzo's biggest mistake all season that he's not been starting Xavier Booker. He adds an element to this team with spreading out the floor, and he yes, he's not the best rebounder in the world, but that takes time in game to be able to develop that, and if he was actually starting him throughout the season, that would be much better now than it really was 
before or that it really is right now. So anyway, end rant. Sorry, but like Michigan State, no longer a big win. Sorry. And I don't even consider a big win for Ohio State. Yes, it's quad one. So that looks nice in the paper. But, you know, thank you, numbers gods, for giving uh, Michigan State big numbers so that way they can be quad one. Anyway, all right. So here's the real question. All right, Russ, and we're going to kick this to you first. All right. Best big man, front, forward, center, whatever you want to call it, in Purdue history. Is it Zach Eady? Is Zach Eady the best big man in Purdue history? Yes. Yes. I, I think you're crazy if you say not because he'll be he'll be back-to-back consensus maybe even unanimous national player of the year now at this point and for Purdue I think he's like the fourth player to ever win any national player of the year award and he'll be the only one to win it twice so to me he could he goes down as the most dominant and best player in Purdue history period I know you know there's the Rick Mounts and the Glenn Robinsons and I get that but to me you know Michael Jordan once said it's hard to compare different eras the only thing you can compare is how dominant they were in their era and I don't know if there's a player in an era that's been as dominant as what Zach Eady has been for Purdue the last two years so to me, yes, he's 100% the best player and the most dominant player in pre basketball history. And he you can't have the conversation about the best big men in Big Ten history without talking about Zach Eady now. Like, I, I'm not saying he is because, like I said, it's hard to compare eras, but there's nobody I don't think that's been more dominant than him from a back-to-the-basket perspective than what he has. And he's he's just got all-around game. He's able to get out now on the edge and play ball screens defensively and offensively. He shoots well from the free throw line. Like he doesn't really have a weakness other than how are you going to officiate him that night? You know, that's about it. Kent, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet or not, but uh, Jay Williams just posted that you're actually not even great until you win a title. And he said, Zach, Eady's not great because of that reason. So um, I don't know if he I don't know if he can be because he's not great yet. Do you guys agree with that? What Jay Williams said about Zach Eady? Well, I I agree uh, that women have to win a national championship. Oh, that was just for women. Really, you are you are so in trouble tonight, man. I hope she's not watching this. You're about to take over the huddle for about a month or so. She never watches uh, episodes, so my wife is the least supportive person. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyway, go ahead, man. You are, dude. You're you're digging the wrong direction. Um. I actually did do my homework on this a little bit because I don't know a ton about Purdue's history, but the two guys that I came up with that would even be in the same conversation. First of all, to answer your question, yes, he's the best big man at Purdue ever. But uh, the other two guys that I would put in the conversation was one that Russ mentioned already, Glenn Robinson, obviously 30 points per game in a season like he has to be mentioned. And uh, he has the record still. I believe it's still going to be the record. Uh, for most points in a season back in 93 and 94. And then the other guy who I've actually never heard of until tonight, which I'm glad. That's why I love doing stuff like this, because when I do research, I get to learn new things, is uh, Joe Barry Carroll. Great name. I think you have to say all three of his names because that's how it was listed on the roster. And I would mention him because he's number one. He's third all time in scoring. And he also had for people who like that postseason success, like Jay Williams, He's been to a Final Four before, so he would be the other guy that I would mention. And he's a seven footer, so that's cool too. Just like uh, you know, Zach Eady's over seven foot. We love seven footers, right? So uh, Joe Barry Carroll, Glenn Robinson, the two guys that I would put in the same conversation. But it is Zach Eady for sure. Um, barring something ridiculous happening towards the end of the season, he's going to be the all time leading scorer, already all time leading rebounder. Russ already mentioned he's going to be back-to-back National Player of the Year. This is ridiculous. I mean, he's definitely, if not the best in the Big Ten, he's definitely the one 
at Purdue, the best big man ever to play at Purdue. Um, and then also, like Russ says, uh, I, I think he kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, just what he's done for the whole game. I mean, like you have to officiate him differently. You have to change what you're doing offensively when he's on the floor. You have to change what you're doing defensively a lot when he's on the floor. You might have to double, triple team him. So he's just done so much for Purdue, and he's kind. I'm not gonna say he's changed the the game, but uh, in a way, he kind of has. And um, you know, definitely the best ever at Purdue, no doubt about it. Russ, I'm surprised you didn't bring up the goat, John Wooden. <laughs> well, he's not a big guy. He's not a big guy. He's, you know, that's like I said. I was gonna say, how tall was he? I, I forget yeah. how tall. He was three time All American though. Yeah, and he was actually the other that. National Player of the Year. So it was it was him, Rick Mount, and Glenn Robinson, and then that's right, Zach Eady. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember how tall he was. I do remember though, like watching the old footage or uh, like the old photos and stuff like that. Like he was really tall compared to the other guys. So I always thought, you know, man, he is a big guy, but I don't know. Uh, how much he was actually considered a big man at Purdue. I just, that's a name you always have to bring up when you talk about Purdue history in my mind. So, also, very, um, very interesting story. If you like history, you like John Wooden. He was actually the second choice for Purdue in a coaching search when Purdue's first choice fell through and they called Wooden to, to offer him the job. And he said, No, I've already taken the job at UCLA. Um, so, he was, he was very close to being the Purdue head coach in that era. So who knows what could have been different then, but yeah. Could have had like seven more national championships. Fun fun fact, the first choice was Bob Knight back then. Yeah. That was the first choice. And <laughs> that fell through. We all know how I'm that leaving. went. I'm leaving. The Xavier Johnson with Zach Eady was bad enough. Now I got it. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we do have a few thoughts here. Phillip says, if Purdue doesn't make the Sweet 16, how much does that take Edie's legacy? So kind of going the the Jay Williams uh, a route there a little bit. I... I don't know. I feel like that's in like the eye of the beholder. What do you think, Russ? Well, I'd go back to the comments we talked about with Izzo post game, which was he said that this is the year he hopes that Painter makes the Final Four and he should make the Final Four. But he also said that you know the tournament is a crapshoot. You know, the one comparison I made in our pod a couple weeks ago was you know when people play in the World Series of Poker, right? And you've got the best poker players in the world, and you always end up with really good poker players at the end. But to even get to the end, you have to win in two or three scenarios where you have like a ten percent chance. Of, of winning that hand or, or moving on. And, you know, the tournament's not that crazy, but you look at last year and UConn was a four seed and they won it all. And no one, two or three seed even made the final four, you know, in one seeds, I think the rate of making the final four of the last five or six years is like 25%. Only one in four on average, even make the final four out of one seeds. So it's, it is, the tournament is just its own different animal, its own beast. And to me, I think it's harder to win a big 10 regular season title where you can't just get hotter for one or two games. You've got to play a full 20 game schedule you know, look at Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin was running away with it, but then all of a sudden they start tripping up and some of the games they lost were not that close. Like Illinois, we'll talk about later. They were in that game for a decent portion of the game, but it's just hard to make a run all the way through a season. Whereas a tournament's just kind of like, Hey, for three weekends, can you get hot? So I, it, to, I'm not going to talk about us, what may happen this year though. I don't want to get to that yet. There's enough yeah. stress in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, whoops. Sorry. Not Jackson. Jackson, I do appreciate you, but I did not bring, mean to bring up your comment. Uh, he said, uh, Tarek, Tarek here, sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name, says, Tate 
paints painter and Purdue's legacy, not Edie's. He's not the one who built this team and this style of play. So that's another way to look at it there. Unfortunately, guys, I can't get to every single comment. Um, thankfully, we will get to a thousand subscribers uh, here soon. We only have 40 left. And once we do that, we can have super chats and you guys can super chat your comments in and I will read those. Uh, I do try to read as many as possible, but we do ha- have to get on to the next ones here. So I apologize. So hit that subscribe button, everybody. Go ahead and pound it right now. That subscribe here, button. Let's do here's it. Here's what I need you to do. I need you yeah. to take your wife's phone and go subscribe. There okay? you go. I need you to get a phone for your dog and have him subscribe, okay? I know you all out there have children who have YouTube, and I need you to go subscribe with their stuff. We're family-friendly here, okay? The only one who cusses a lot is Spartan Dog, okay? And he's just kind of like an acquired taste. Wait, what's a super chat, though, JR? I need to know what this is. Is it just like everything comes up on the screen? No, super chat is where, like, you pay money to have your chat, like, highlighted, and then the people generally, I don't think it, you have to do it, but generally like the idea is like, if you super chat, then whoever's hosting will bring your super chat on and talk about it because you paid money for it. Then we're oh, gotcha. one that's like two to five, $10 or something. I guess you can go higher, but I've literally never seen anybody go higher than $10 ever, which we're if you do, do on the show, $15, everybody for the super chat starting next week. Once, once we hit a thousand subscribers on the big 10 auto, JR, that's right. Right. Hey, Hey, we just gained one. Jackson is uh, helping us out here 39 away. So from a thousand. So yes, somebody, somebody went and took their wife's phone and subscribed for us. I when you start that. getting, when you start getting paid comments, Dylan's going to be putting food on your table, JR. He's going to be <laughs> paying your bills for you. If he wants to come in here and pay to tell me I'm handsome, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. All right, let's get to the next game. Illinois versus Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin fans are down bad after this loss. It was a home game for Wisconsin, and uh, they just they uh, Illinois just essentially took care of business in this one. I didn't get to watch this one as much as I wanted to because I was actually busy during the day at this time. So I'll kind of lean into you guys a little bit more for this one. But Kent, go ahead and start us off. What were your thoughts on this game? Uh, I wrote a bunch of notes about Wisconsin, and I tweeted that they were probably excited that the calendar flipped over to March, and then this game happened, and they're probably not excited anymore. Two and seven since February started. Ridiculous. And again, this was a team we were talking about challenging Purdue as possibly winning the Big Ten outright, and that at that time, it didn't seem crazy, but it seems crazy now. Um, yeah, for this game, it was mainly... Marcus Damask, Marcus Damask, and more of Marcus Damask coming down the stretch. And again, I don't think there's there's really not a ton of Big Ten teams that do a horrible job defensively. But I know I said this pretty much the same comment earlier. Wisconsin did a pretty good job guarding him. Tyler Wall was kind of sticking him pretty good. And Damask was just, it's like hard to, it's hard to guard somebody that's able to back you down a little bit and then fade away. Like it's really hard to block that shot, right? But um, I thought he had a good position. That's I know, Russ, I just saw you make a face. I thought he had good position is what I'm trying to say. He stayed in front of him, at least. He wasn't getting to the basket. Most of his shots, especially uh, down the stretch, were fadeaway shots and going away from the basket, which is tough to guard. Um, but, yeah, good win for Illinois. Any, any road win is a good win. Even if it's Wisconsin, it's a road win. And uh, they were able to get that done. So, uh, I guess, a decent win for them. Illinois is tough. I thought that Wisconsin played probably the best that they could play the first 15 minutes of this game and Illinois I believe I'm I might be misremembering this but I believe Illinois was still winning at halftime or maybe down two 
Um, so they were able to take Wisconsin's punch and then obviously able to win the game at the end. So Illinois is just really tough, man. What else can you say about them? They got a lot of scores. And uh, I'll go back to what we said a little bit last week. I'm still kind of worried about the fact that they can't get stops at all and they just outscore everybody. But it's getting to the point now where they are outscoring everybody and I'm less concerned about the defense and uh, more just kind of focusing on the fact that maybe they can just outscore every team that they play for the rest of the year. I was actually going to bring that up because Wisconsin has scored less points than Minnesota, Iowa, and Penn State against Illinois. Like, yes, the loss is concerning for Wisconsin, but at the same time, like, this is a Wisconsin team that was regularly scoring in the 80s against just, like, you know, regular defenses. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have not only Illinois with their defense, but also with their pace of play, which, of course, does add to the score as well, which makes it, you know, look like that. But still, like, it, from what I watched this game, it didn't look like Illinois was letting up on their pace of play. It didn't look like, I mean, Wisconsin obviously plays at a slower pace at times, but uh, I didn't see anything, like, egregious in this game when I watched that said that Wisconsin slowed it down all that much uh, to where it was, like, egregious or anything. But, I mean, at a certain point, like, this was what Wisconsin was kind of hanging their hat on earlier in the year. Like, yeah, we're going to score 80 on you regularly, be really efficient and play good defense. And now, like, of course, nobody really plays all that good defense against Illinois because it's Illinois. Uh, but now, like, they're not even doing that as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of concerns here I have for Wisconsin. Russ, what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to say some things. So I want to start with saying Illinois is clearly the second best team in the conference. Um, you can't have a conversation about the best coach in the conference without mentioning Brad Underwood. Uh, although I've talked to Sonny about this and the five-year mark is the only mark where you can pick out that Underwood has the most wins in the conference since he's been in the conference. If you go back further or you go back more recent, Painter has more. So it's like, that's the one cherry picked range. So I'll say that, but, um, and you know, they even talked about Terrence Shannon Jr. In this game that it, they've said things about him that they say about Itty, which is, I don't know what you do to play defense against him. You know, and at times it was that way with Domask too. Like, you know, yes, you know, Wall was playing great defense, but great offense is always going to be great defense, right? Like, you know, you can be in the right spot. You can do the right things defensively. You can put them in the worst spot to make a shot. And if they're having a night, they're just going to hit the shot. There's nothing you can do about it. And, it, you know, that's Domask is one of those stories we talked about earlier that is it's a really great story to have a transfer being from Wisconsin. His family's in the stands because they're at Wisconsin. He just goes off. Um, that was really great to see. And but if I'm a Wisconsin fan, man, that that's one of the most frustrating games to probably watch your team lose because, you know, like I said, Underwood's a great coach. He puts the, their, his team in a great place. They're very efficient offensively, but they don't do anything special. You know, I don't understand how he gets this credit for being this basketball savant offensively, which you know they're uh, they are efficient offensively, so you, you can't really fault the guy for what he does or doesn't do. But it's just ISO offense, right? It's either score on a fast break or spread everybody out and give it to somebody one-on-one and score the ball. But it was frustrating because Wisconsin also wasn't helping. You know, so you're watching the Illinois arrogant offense basically just saying, hey, we're going to beat you one-on-one because we got all these scores. But then Wisconsin saying, hey, we're just going to keep going one-on-one and let you score, and they're not going to change anything. Like, at some point, you've got to do something to help on Domask. you got to do something to get in front of, of Terrence Shannon Jr. On a, on a fast break. But they just didn't seem to change anything up defensively. And so Illinois didn't have to do anything offensively. Um, but I, I think Illinois is going to run into problems because I heard on it might have been on, on Sunday with the line I cast or another Illinois podcast I was listening to where they said they're basically a more expensive version or a higher, um, a higher efficient, higher output version of Iowa. 
right? They they're all offense, no defense. And what has Iowa done in the tournament? Not really anything. What is Illinois? What Underwood hasn't made a second second weekend. So I think they're going to have to figure out defense a little bit to be able to get to a second weekend. Uh, but they definitely are one of the best teams in the conference and best teams in the country. It, it's just it's it's going to be hard, I think, if they run into a team that slows them down a little bit and then just keeps running out the score on their defense like everybody else has been doing to Illinois. Yeah, I said that last episode when we talked about the defense and, you know, like Illinois and kind of, you know, compared them to Iowa. The only thing I'll say about that, and I think I made the caveat in the in the episode. If I didn't, I apologize. But the only thing I'll say about that is that Illinois does have more athletic guys than Illinois has had in the past or has, Iowa has had in the past. Like, yes, Iowa. Hey, hey, hey. Have really you seen Peyton Sanford play basketball? <laughs> he Come is on, very man. good. Don't get me wrong. Like the Murray brothers and uh, and Garza, like those guys. But I still feel like the supporting cast around a Terrence Shannon Jr. for Illinois is more athletic and is better than, you know, Garza had at Iowa and the Murray twins had there as well. Again, not trying to disparage them. Those were great players that did have good supporting casts around them that fit them well. I just feel like the supporting cast around Terrence Shannon Jr. and Cole- Coleman Hawkins are better and Marcus Tomask. And that's another part of it. It's like, any of those guys can drop 30. I think all of those guys have dropped 30 at least one point this season. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any other team in the country. Of course, I don't really pay attention much more to them Big Ten basketball. But I don't know any other team in the country that has had three players drop more than 30 in a game this season. I don't know. I, I If you guys pay more attention and you know somebody, please let me know. But um, I think the biggest storyline coming out of this game, because obviously Illinois defense, that kind of stuff gets talked about all the time. Uh, it's just how much like Wisconsin fans are continuing to to badger, pun, you know, pun intended, that Greg well, Gard needs to be fired. And even we have people in the chat talking about it here, like Greg Gard needs to get out of here. Is he going to be fired after this season? The guy has two Coach of the Year uh, awards, and he he's he's been good, but obviously he had his hard season last year, and now you're kind of seeing him fall off at the end again this year. I, I mean. Kent, if you had to uh, make a make a prediction or give your thoughts, I guess however you want to give it, uh, should Greg Gard be fired here at the end of the season? Uh, I don't think he should, and I don't think that he will be either. Uh, Chris McIntosh, I believe I'm pronouncing his name right, as my microphone's falling down down here. Um, he was hired in 2001, and he has not seen Greg Gard not have a 20 win season. So it's going to be hard for a guy that came in way after him that is his boss to say, hey, I know you win 20 games every year, but you're fired. That's going to be really tough for him to say. And like you said, the two coach of the years, like within the last five years, um, they haven't missed a tournament yet. They're not going to this year either unless, I mean, that would be crazy if they didn't make it. Um, And they're also just not a school that gets rid of coaches that quickly. And I, I not that quickly, but just for that small of a reason is is what I'm trying to say. I mean, I know he's been there for a while now, but they're a school that keeps their coaches for a really long time. That's kind of like, you know, a tradition of theirs, I would say. So uh, I don't think that he should. I don't think that he will. Um, I think that it's good fodder for the fans to say, like, uh, let's fire our coach. I'm upset that we lost, but it's not going to happen. Well, the problem is, is what Ohio State did firing Chris Holtman. Now every team is going to think that like, oh, if we just fire the head coach, the assistant will come in and he'll start winning all these games. <laughs> like, Guys, no, it doesn't normally work like that. This is not a normal situation where the assistant coach's first game goes in and beats 
<laughs> one of, if not the best coach in the Big Ten. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen. Uh, Russ, what are your thoughts? Uh, will Wisconsin fire Greg Gard here at the end of the season? Yeah, there's a, I won't call any out specifically, but there's a lot of fan bases out there that will tell you the grass is not always greener. That, you know, having 20 win seasons is is nice when you're going five or six straight seasons not making a tournament. You know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of fan bases out there that would take a 20 win season any year. And, you know, the Big Ten is just a tough conference. You know, there is a, you know, I said it earlier, it's it's a harder thing to win the Big Ten regular season, I think, than have, you know, a Sweet 16 Elite Eight run because, this conference is just so deep. You cannot take a week off. You cannot take a game off. I mean, what, 80% of teams, of home teams have won going into this season or going into this weekend? So and that's higher than any other conference in the nation. Like, it's hard to win on the road. So you look at this recent run of, of Wisconsin's losses, and what game really ticks you off? What game are you mad about? You know, losing at Nebraska where nobody else is winning. You know, losing at home to Purdue, which, you know, Purdue's leading the conference. You know, losing at Michigan, yeah, that's, that's rough, but it was yeah, a four-point loss. Yeah, that would be the one. Yeah, that, that might be the one, but, you know, at Rutgers, you know, that's a tough place to win. You know, home against Ohio State, they took care of business. At Iowa, a two-point loss at Iowa, you know, so it's, you know, in, in Illinois, they, they were in that game, like I said, for most of the game, but Illinois just came out on the end, and there's there's such a fine margin between winning and losing in this conference that it's hard to, to can your coach on a 20-win season. Like, I don't, I don't get that. Yeah, I think you'd have to have a year, kind of like what Chris Holtman had last year, in order to, like, give that justification to the administration right because you're right Kent like he's they've never seen a non-21 season even last year that wasn't great what they did they win the NIT or did they get to the NIT championship last year they did something in the NIT that was impressive I forget what it was but they they like there have been aspects of their seasons that have been good each year even with these fall-offs uh happening so it's it's interesting I don't think that I don't think Wisconsin will fire him. I think there has to be some kind of, like I said, a Chris Holtman type fall off where they have a losing record or something like that. And then if you have one of these fall offs at the end of the year, then you could see something like that happening. So we'll see. <coughs> Excuse me. We'll see what happens, but it's kind of where I'm at with it all. All right, guys, before we uh, move on to the next one, do we want to remind everybody about CBB analytics, go check out CBB analytics. They give us, a free pro tier to tell you about them each and every episode. It's great stuff. Really awesome for uh, not just content on the show, but also content putting out there for social media and stuff. I've not been as good with social media lately, but I do need to get back to it. And CBB analytics makes it super easy to do that with all the great analytics they put out there for us. So there is a free tier to that as well. So go check out the free tier. And if you like it, then go pray, uh, pay for the pro tier because it is good content and they put a lot of good work into it. So like I said, CBB analytics, go check them out. All right, Iowa and Northwestern. We have an Iowa team here that's looking a little dangerous, looking a little bubbly here at the end of the year. And uh, I said a few episodes ago that this is one of the wins they had to have at Northwestern. Now, it did help that Northwestern's missing a few key guys here. Uh, Boo Booey did his absolute best to try and will his team to victory, played 39 minutes, 27 points. So a huge offensive performance for him. However, it was not enough. Iowa proved to be the more offensively inclined team with the 87 to 80 points. But uh, at the end of the day, Iowa making a bit of a uh, of a bid here for the NCAA tournament in Northwestern falling off a little bit. I won't say they have fall, fallen off at all, but the net ratings and things like that are not in their favor, so they can use every win that they can get. Russ, what were your thoughts on this one? 
Yeah, so you know, I said that eighty percent of home teams have won going into this weekend, but home teams were only four and three this weekend, right? Iowa got it done on the road, and like you said, they're a team that looks like they should be in the tournament, but do they have the resume and the schedule that or that will let them get in the tournament? That will get the committee to put them in. But you know, I would make a suggestion. You know, we're going through realignment. We're going through NCA possibly being done. You guys watch European soccer much? So I, I would want to see. So they do this format. You know what the Champions League is? If you heard of the Champions I League, I know about. Yeah. I know about regulate. Re, how do you pronounce it? Relegation. Relegation. relegation yeah. So that's not where I'm going. I'm not going relegation okay. route, but I'm going. They have what's called the Champions League, which is you know if you picture you know each conference in the Big Ten or in the Big Ten, each conference of college basketball being its own country, and then the NCAA tournament being like the Champions League. That's kind of how it works over there, right? They have the Italian League, the European, the, the uh, English League, the French League. And they take like the top teams from each league and they put them in a champions league and they crown a European champion. So what I think they should do in college basketball is maybe do away with college basketball tournament or conference tournaments and sit there and say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to say, you know, the big 10 is one of the top conferences. We're going to give them the top five teams in their standings or the top four teams, in their standings. They make the tournament, you know, the SEC, the top four, the top five teams in the standings make the tournament and do that with every conference. You know, the bottom conferences, they get the top one team, but then, Take like the next four teams in the standings, put them in a tournament against like the four teams in the SEC, and then say the team that wins that tournament or the top two teams in that tournament, they make the NCAA tournament. Because I feel like, you know, the the Big Ten is such, they're so good at beating each other up. And there's so many teams that you get to the end of the year and they're like, well, they're 11 and nine in the Big Ten or they're 12 and eight in the Big Ten. But, you know, are they, they're right on the bubble or do they really deserve to get in? Like an Ohio State or an Iowa, teams that make these late runs that people already have set in their mind, no, the Big Ten only is going to make five teams in the tournament or six teams. But, you know, I think that the Big Ten has shown through the years that they have a good enough product that they they deserve to have a certain set number of teams, it seems like, each year. So I think that'd be a cool thing to do because Iowa does, you know, they they did look like a team. And coming in this year, they had, what, two guards in the top ten guards list in the conference, two bigs in the top ten bigs in the conference. Like, they're a very talented team that deserves to play postseason basketball. They just have not had the wins to maybe get themselves there. Yeah, I mean, Tony Perkins and Peyton Sanford are fantastic, and they are two of the best players, you know, <laughs> not just on their team, but in the conference, realistically. I don't think they get the love. Now, I'm not saying they're, like, top five or anything like that, but when you take, like, the best players from each team, those are two of them for Iowa, and they can be talked up there with just about any player up at the top of the conference. So I'm not saying they are the best. Don't get my comments confused. But I am saying those are better players than people – give them credit for and uh i like your idea russ and i think that it should happen the only problem is they're never going to entertain it until the big 10 starts winning games in the ncaa tournament which is stupid and it sucks um i hate it however that's just it is what it is and i don't (laughs) i don't see it changing anytime soon i i do think that the big 10 is kind of better than they've showcased this year in some ways, like Wisconsin has fallen off, but they did have that win over Marquette. They did beat Virginia in the offseason or in the uh, out of conference. So I do think they are better or some of those teams are better than maybe they get credit for. However, um, it's hard, hard to say. But uh, Kent, what were your thoughts on the games or what Russ said? Do you have any thoughts there? Uh, so many thoughts. Uh, I got to go back to something you said, actually. You said Tony Perkins doesn't get enough love. Have you met me before, bro? Well, he does from you, but not other people. Yeah. I, well, he when is. he called out athletic Iowa players, you didn't even bring up Perkins. You brought up Sanford. I was shocked. I was like, I thought Kent was in Perkins. Yeah, that was, that's because that was a joke. Um, And he's not athletic. 
<laughs> Tony Perkins is athletic. Um, and he is still and always will be for this year. I always pick one guy for the year. Tony Perkins, favorite player of the year this year. Um, no, but uh this game, um, I just thought I, I wrote a ton of notes. I'll just skim through a couple of them though. I thought it was weird uh how identical some of their stats were from like the shooting perspective. They were absolutely identical from three, both 10, 4, 20. And then um, if you wanted to look for a stat that was the reason that Iowa won, I was pretty shocked that it was because of rebounding. They actually beat them by 7, 29 to 22 in rebounding. So I know Collins was heated after this game when he saw that that was one of the reasons that they lost this was because they got out-rebounded. He's going to be upset. And I'm actually pretty shocked that they won uh, that rebounding battle. But, um, yeah, Iowa fun to think about right now. I know we're going to talk about them or, or maybe we're not, maybe we're going to skip over that part, but them making the tournament. They are, mm, they're, they're, they're just not there yet for me. I don't think, I don't think they're going to actually make it unless they make like a big, big run in the big 10 tournament, which I just don't foresee that happening, even though they are hot right now. Uh, they've just been so touch and go this year that I just don't think they can put it together for the whole, uh, the duration of the weekend. So you agree with the numbers that uh, Northwestern is not going to make the Big Ten tournament, or it's not going to make the NCAA tournament? Northwestern or Iowa? Oh, I wrote down Northwestern. You're talking about Iowa. I was talking about Iowa not making it. Oh. Northwestern, on the other hand, I do think should make it. Okay. Yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah I, I think Iowa. Iowa I guess I was lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Iowa, I mean, they did what they had to do beating Northwestern at Northwestern. I do think that it's unfortunate for Iowa because Northwestern doesn't have Again, I'll harp on it every single time. Northwestern doesn't have the numbers that they should have because <laughs> Michigan State is like the third best net in the conference and Northwestern is like sixth or seventh, which is just so stupid. Uh, net is broken. Uh, I mean, nobody looks at Northwestern and says that's a worse team than Michigan State. I don't, that's I don't know. That's exactly how you do. what I wrote down. Like, I, I, like, again, I wrote down way too many notes, but just to skim through some of that net stuff because I know a net, the net is what a lot of people are talking about. Northwestern's 53 right now. Michigan yeah. State is 22, I believe, in the net. Yeah. And they are 8-12 and 12 against quad 1 and 2, Michigan State is. Northwestern, 10-8. and eight. So that just doesn't make any sense to me that they're ranked almost 30 spots below Michigan State in the net, and they have that much better of a record. I think, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong about this, I think it's because of the Chicago State loss still that's just dragging them down, which is, I get it. It's a bad loss, but it's also a team that beat Purdue this year. So, like, I just, to me, those things, to me, they cancel out, but I know to other people they don't because it's a historic loss to lose to Chicago State. But, man, for the, a one-point loss against a really bad team, I get it. Everybody has an off night now and again. I guess you just can't do it against that bad of a team, I guess. I I don't know. That's just crazy that it drags them down that much. Well, that drags them down, and then it's also the out-of-conference schedule. Like, their teams that okay. they wanted to hit on didn't hit. Dayton is not, um, you know, like, they're like they're obviously a good team, 22-6, and six, but they're still third in the A-10 right now. So that's not, you know, 
the first place team, no doubt in the A10, like you would think, which I, I do think they're probably, you know, one of the best in the big 10 or in the A10. And then Arizona state is they're They're not, they're not having the season. They need to have their 14 and 15. So like neither of those teams are hitting and they lost to Mississippi state, who was their other big out of conference team. And like, we got, when you tell me that Dayton, Mississippi State and uh, Arizona State are your three big teams to play at a conference, and you you go two and one in those. Like that, that's the hard part with the conference, like or not the conference with the scheduling and stuff like that. Is like you have to schedule harder teams than that. They're kind of getting bit like, uh, oh, who was it last year that missed the tournament? Rutgers because they didn't have enough hard teams in the schedule last year uh, in the out of conference. So I don't know. It's crazy. We'll see. I hate that because at the end of the day, like. I think you can tell from Northwestern playing in the Big Ten, they're better than that. But you know, do you think that? Do you think that the next game uh, for Northwestern uh, at Michigan State? Do you think whoever wins that game, everyone's going to be like that team's in and the other team's out? Is that what's going to happen in that game? I don't know. That's a good point. What do you think, Russ? I, uh, you know, I was going to comment on this as well that you guys talked about making runs in the tournament and these late these late wins in the season. I don't think they really impact the committee at all. You know, as much as we talk about this team's got to win two or three teams, two or three games in the tournament, I don't know that there's many cases you can point to and say this game, this team made the tournament because they made a run and won three games in the Big Ten tournament. So I I think at this point, if Northwestern's going to make it, they're in. If they aren't, then there's nothing they can do to get themselves in besides win the Big Ten tournament. You know, I think they could be that team that you look at and you go, you know, oh, most people think they're going to be a seven seed or an eight seed or a nine seed, and then they all of a sudden miss the tournament completely. Like they one percent can, and then people are going to point to, as you're talking about, JR, the metrics and say, well, they're outside the top 50 in net, and teams outside the top 50 don't make the tournament. I mean, even if they win one of their next two games, right, uh, Michigan at Michigan State and Minnesota, like you're, we're talking about a 12-win conference or a 12-conference win team in the Big Ten not making – the NCAA tournament. Like, We've seen that wild. before. There was a year Nebraska finished, I think, fourth in the conference at 12 and 8, and they missed the tournament. Do you remember what year that was? Oh, give me a second. Go okay. to the next topic. <laughs> that that would be correct. To me, if they win, like maybe this is my extra, extra casualness coming out, but anytime someone gets to 20 wins, I'm like, they're in. Done. They got to 20 wins. I don't care who they played. They won 20 games. They should be in the tournament. Now, obviously, that doesn't always happen. But there's also been cases where it's been the other way, where like some someone gets like 18 or 19 wins, and it's like they do get in, and it's like I don't, I just don't understand how that's the case. Like I I understand the part about like you got to play tougher teams and you got to beat tougher teams, but at the end of the day, you do also have to just win the games. And right. Northwestern has done that; they have won 20 games, and more than likely they'll have 21 or 22 wins before the big 10 tournament, if they get to 22 wins and they don't get in, I'm rioting. Like they have to get in at that point, right? 22 wins at the end of the regular season or yeah. Like if they win their last two games here, I mean, yeah, I, it's just a product of the big 10 is not respected this year. And we can say the big 10 is weak. And I get that. I'm not, I'm not against that. Like there are aspects of the big 10, not being as good this year as it previously has been. But at the same time, like it's still like, <laughs> like, let's remember, this is still the richest conference in all of college athletics. This is still where some of the highest paid coaches are <laughs> in college basketball. Like 
even if Northwestern did not play a super hard out of conference schedule, like they're still, they're still taking basketball very seriously. I don't know. I don't even, I guess that's not a good argument, but so I'm with you, Kent. Like if you win 22 games and you're in the big 10 or what is, what would that be? 13 games in the conference. Uh, like that would just be absolutely unheard of. If you, if you don't make the, yeah, if they didn't make it at that point, that would be crazy. I mean, if they, I think they're in right now, just for the record, for all the listeners out there, I think that they're already in, and I think they should be already in. I saw a graphic today uh, making its rounds that they were on the bubble, and I got upset. Yeah. I got sad. Yeah. Rush, you got the the U there? So it was 2013-2014, and they actually – so they finished 11-7 and seven because it was an 18-team – or 18-game conference schedule – Okay. And I'm sorry, they did make the tournament as an 11 seed. So I think it was like there was the most, there was the lowest of fourth team the Big Ten has ever been seeded in the NCAA tournament, I believe. So, but they were on the cusp of missing the tournament. So I missed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Philip makes a good point here. He says the Big Ten doesn't have the dead fish to play anymore, other than Michigan, uh, to build up wins for the rest of the conference. Oh, except Michigan. He said it there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like Penn State, they have not, they have a losing uh, record on the year, but what's their their big 10 record is eight and 11. Like when you're 14 and 16 on the year, over half of your wins are in the conference. Like, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a weird year when you got stuff like that going down. So, all right, guys, let's get to our final game. We've gone over here again, but that's just kind of what happens on the Sunday night episodes. Minnesota beats Penn state. We were just talking about them 14 and 16 Penn state, obviously not the best year in the world, but I think there is a future for them, but Minnesota is having a pretty good year. Unfortunately, their quad one record is not where they want it to be only being one and seven, but this was also a team that was picked to finish last in the big 10. And now they're nine and nine and they're 18 and 11 on the season. So Ben Johnson is doing some really, really cool stuff within the season and uh, Minnesota, they got down early. Uh, they, they got down big and it was a tough stretch, but Minnesota credit to them. They were able to claw back, come back and win this game. It's against the, like I said, a, a good Penn state team, even if the record doesn't show uh, that they're all that good or anything, but uh, Russ, let's start with you first. What were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, just incredibly impressed with Minnesota's resilience. I mean, their tourney hopes are on life support and they basically played like it. Um, you know, there were some games and we are going to talk about it, but there's some some games that we didn't talk about in the Big Ten this weekend that there was teams that you watch play and you're just like, you don't care anymore. But Minnesota 100% played their butts off and they did everything they could to try to stay within like that 10 to 12 point mark. And then finally kind of broke through in that second half where they went, um, I think it was a 10-0 run with about 12 minutes left. They went on a 10-0 run to get back in the game. Um, and then they took another, you know, went back a couple points and they took another 9-0 run to go up four points. And that kind of helped them basically put the game away or hang on to the game at that point. But yeah, Minnesota, I mean, if there, I, I wouldn't say a riot like Kent did, but you know, if there was a team I wanted to pick out of the big 10 that I want them to make the tournament, it's Minnesota. Cause like, I feel like they deserve it. They've worked their butts off. They've exceeded expectations and they play like they want to make the tournament. And you know, the one person I would feel for most if that happens is, is Jameson battle. Cause I can't imagine what he, he would feel like to go, to another school that I won't name that school that's probably not going to make the tournament um, and then watch his old team make the tournament. Well, they would have fired the coach sooner. They would have, they would have been making the tournament. Uh, Kent, what were your thoughts? If they don't make the tournament, uh, the person I'm going to feel the most bad, the most, the worst for is Parker Fox. Cause he's my favorite person 
on the team. He actually played really well yesterday. I was pretty surprised, or not surprised. I'm never surprised. Parker Fox always plays well. And they needed every minute they got out of him yesterday. But yeah, uh, just quickly on this game, Penn State just nerfed it. Like they had Minnesota on the ropes, but they couldn't finish him off. And like Russ said, Minnesota just kind of chipped away. And then once they had the lead, you knew it was over. You knew it was over once Minnesota took the lead. They were definitely going to win that game. So uh, I am cheering for them to make the tournament more than any other team, just like Russ. Uh, I want them to be in the tournament so bad. I think that they deserve it as well. They have uh, come from the bottom. What uh, it's, it's weird because they haven't really come from the bottom of the conference. It's just where everybody expected them to be, right? Um, but yeah, just this season that they've had, they're really easy to cheer for. We've talked about this all year, JR. So many fun players on their team. Um, I really hope that they are able to make it somehow. It's going to be tough, but I hope that they make it, and I'm cheering for them the most as well, just like Russ. I love Minnesota. I love watching uh, Elijah Hawkins for a new reason because uh, I feel like he like glides around the court. That's, <laughs> I mean, obviously, if you watch him, you can see that. But that's another thing I picked up this weekend when I was watching. I was like, man, this this dude is literally just like gliding around the court with how fast and how smooth he is. And I just, I cannot say enough good things about Elijah Hawkins. Elijah Hawkins is my is to me as Tony Perkins is to you, Kent. I mean, there there is really? nobody. Yeah, I mean, I like, I like him too. I actually yeah. tweeted like it's funny you bring that up because I put that out that after watching that game, I was wondering, like just in a straight up like race, who do you think the fastest guy in the Big Ten is? And I I listed him, uh, Doug McDaniel, uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. and uh, Jameer Young. Is there someone I'm missing on that list? Like it's just like the straight up fastest guy. Shannon Jr. is fast. So like, fast. fast. Dude is just he is lightning quick. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly scary how fast he is for how big he is. I know. But, um, talking about Elijah Hawkins, I don't want to go back too far, but did you see last week when Minnesota played Illinois and Underwood got interviewed at halftime and he called Elijah Hawkins that little kid? Yeah. I heard about it. I didn't see it, though. <laughs> yeah. So that little kid's really hurting us. Uh, uh, Hawkins, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he's he's super small. Like, I... <laughs> But like that adds to his game. Like that's an aspect to his game that I just I love because he is he is undersized out there. But you know, I guess I won't say super small. It's not like he's like five six or something like that. But he is undersized, and uh, that's a, but that's an aspect to his game that that I enjoy and I think he utilizes. So um, I mean, I, I, we were asked earlier about the rest of Minnesota's schedule to to just be frank, and I, I mean, no hate by this because I really like Minnesota this year, but. Even if they win these next two games at the end of the season, Indiana and at Northwestern, I I feel like to even have a chance for the Big Ten or for the NCAA tournament, you got to make it to um, the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament. Which I, they will. I don't, they will, by the way. Well, okay. <laughs> they will, because I'm going to be there. And, uh, I, and so is Minnesota, by the way. Minnesota fans are going to be deep. We are going to be deep so. at the Big Ten tournament. I say we. Uh, there's going to be a lot of us there. A lot of the gophers there. It's funny. I'm actually sitting in Nebraska's, uh, like, um, section or whatever you want to call it. You know how they give them to like each school. I'll be with the Nebraska fans, but I will be cheering for Minnesota extremely. Even if they play Nebraska, I've, I've made my decision. Wait, how'd you get in Nebraska section? Well, cause half Uh, their fans are still figuring out holder. Yeah, got half their fans are still figuring out they have a basketball season or a basketball team. Yeah, that's 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 the I, other reason. Like, I thought that that would probably be where I could get the closest seats. Yeah, and I did get pretty good seats. I'm in lower level, so I'm pretty excited about it. The Nebraska fans, me and the other seven people that are going to the Big Ten tournament. 
I was going to say, uh, and Nebraska fans, I'm just poking fun for one second. I do like you, but uh, the Nebraska basketball court uh, home game atmosphere started when everybody thought they were showing up for a women's basketball game, but it was actually a men's or a women's Dude. volleyball game. And it was actually a Nebraska basketball game. They're like, hey, these guys are good. Let's keep coming back. Just joking. <laughs> hey, but w- women's volleyball, don't sleep in women's volleyball in Lincoln. Like, Don't try got, to like, get the women the back big now. Ten in general, the Big Ten is probably the. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying, Russ? I was just saying the Big Ten in general women's volleyball just it it slams. Where what do the kids say? But they, I mean, the Big Ten I think had what like at one point eight teams ranked in the top twenty five in women's volleyball. Yeah, so, something like that. Yeah, it's women's volleyball and wrestling, wrestling. Got Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State had a guy that was really really good. I don't know if Ohio State's still good or not, but. Um, no, I, I mean, do you guys think that's all right? I mean, uh, Minnesota one and seven in quad one games, it's unfortunate, but I think like the computers just don't love them enough. Like they're going to have to do something substantial. I want to say they need to make it to the big 10 championship, but like the part of me that's like hoping that's not true is like <laughs> giving them a little bit extra. I mean, Russ, do you agree? What do you think? I mean, the realist in me says they probably have to win the tournament to make it. Cause like I said before, I, I don't think that tournament wins really mean anything, because maybe the committee just chalks it up to a team like Illinois or Purdue would rather maybe win one game in the tournament and then rest up for the NCAA tournament, you know, so because the Big Ten tournament is is just as much of a crapshoot as what the NCAA tournament is, right? Like they've had, yeah. we've had six, seven, eight seeds win the Big Ten tournament as well. So I, I think that, I think Minnesota, the realist in me thinks Minnesota has to win the tournament to make the tournament. Wow. What do you think, Kent? And that, that's what we'll do then. You know what I'm saying? We'll we'll go there and do that. Then, if that's what we got to do, that's what we're gonna do. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna text all my Minnesota uh, friends after this. We're all gonna be there. I'm gonna text the players, um, and I'm gonna say, "Hey guys, just got off uh, the Big Ten huddle. Russ is saying that we have to win the Big Ten tournament, so let's just go do it now." And they'll be like, "All right, let's do it." I don't know how the tiebreakers will work out, but they could actually get to enough wins to be a Friday team, to be a double by team. So they could, they could get as high as I think the four, the fifth seed. So they could put themselves in position to make a run. Cause Northwestern would have to lose to, but Nebraska's not losing to Rutgers and Michigan. Well, I guess that would leave one more spot because Wisconsin. Yeah, you're right. They're nine and nine right now. They could finish eleven and nine in the conference and get there. But is that good for them though? They would need. I mean, the more. Well, win- yeah, because like I said, I think they have to win the tournament. So at this point, it's they need to put themselves in a good enough okay. position to to have the best route to win the thing, not get one or two wins. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah, those are my thoughts on on Minnesota. You guys have any more thoughts on uh, Minnesota before we get out of here? I don't. I'm sorry. I wish I did. We love you, Minnesota. We're rooting for you. And uh, if you and Ohio State both make the conference or the uh, NCAA tournament, I will die happy whenever I die. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. Uh, Russ, why don't you tell people where they can find your uh, Purdue podcast at? Yeah, so just look up Boiler Express anywhere you look up podcasts. Uh, you'll find us anywhere. Spotify. Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, we're on there. Go check us out. I appreciate it, Kent. Want to tell people about you? Uh, at Casual Big Ten on X or Twitter, if you're still calling it that, which I do. Um, haven't done a podcast in like a month now. I think I'm just completely done with the podcast stuff. It's it just takes too much time. 
You guys know how it goes. Kent is you guys our have podcast before. It's a lot of time. And you know what? I have just as much fun coming on this show and saying pretty much the exact same stuff I would have said on my show. So I've just been doing the Twitter stuff. Twitter's been really fun lately. Check it out tomorrow. It is the Sweet 16 of the first annual hypothetical two-on-two Big Ten basketball tournament. Please come check that out. We need votes. It's, Actually, uh, we don't really need votes. We got like 200 votes per game last last week, which was pretty impressive. Is uh, Zach Eady and Xavier Johnson still in it? They're still in it. They are still alive. That's yes. my favorite pairing. I will never not vote for that pairing, just so that Russ has to keep Makes me sick. Makes me sick. <laughs> um, so some comments here before we get going. Dave says, we love you too. I think that's in response to the Minnesota love. Um, so that's what I'm going to go with. Thank you, Dave. Yes, we are. I'm going to buy some Minnesota gear. Before the season is over, I'm going to buy some Minnesota gear. And we're we have on one week then to do yeah. that. Well, no, like the NCAA season. Uh, I don't oh, okay. think shipping's that fast. I mean, I, I'm not paying for shipping to be that fast. I don't have much money. Yeah. Um, Michael says, have a good night. And are you going to be on again tomorrow night, JR? No, our next episode will be Tuesday night. It'll be the football episode. Uh, I don't have any plans for the football episode yet. Well, we'll probably talk about the 14-team playoff thing. Uh, and Zach will be on for that one. And then Wednesday night will be our next basketball episode so uh all right i think that's all the comments and everything everybody thank you so much for joining us have a great night thank you russ thank you kent for being here appreciate it see you next time